so we're up to we are up to like this the Gemara is in the middle of analyzing the, the passage of Ahib and Saya Aaron, right? Because we were doing it before for the sake of figuring out exactly how many how many letters total are considered to be a holy enough uh, part of the Torah that it would warrant being saved on Shabbos from a fire. We said Ahib and Saya Aaron is the amount of letters, which is the 85 letters total. So now what the Gemara is going to analyze further the idea of Ahib and Saya Aaron, right? And it was when the when the ark traveled. If you look in the Torah itself, and even in the Chumash, by the way, if you open the Chumash right now, you'll see that it has these interesting simanim, interesting signs at the beginning and after the uh, actual. The, can you hear the me? Nun. The nuns. I can hear you pretty good. I was going to the nuns upside down. Yeah, it has the back. Inverted. Yeah, so, so according to some customs, it's, it's upside down. According to some, it's inverted completely. But either way, it's definitely a hint to the idea that the Torah is trying to make it clear to us that there's something unique about this little passage. Or we're right at the bottom of 115b. And we're talking about Behib and Sarah right? So it says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made signs for it, one before it and one after it. Leimar to tell you, turning the page now, She'ain Demekayma, that technically this is not the place where it should discuss Behib and Sarah and it was when the Ark traveled. Why not? Because telling us when the Ark traveled, should really be together with the Jews traveling. Because we know that the Ark travels together with the Jews traveling. And we've already described the process of the Jews traveling and which, which tribe went first and they would have the blowing of the shofar, the, not the shofar, but the chatzot throws the trumpets. They would have, um, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu would, would tell them it's time to go. The cloud over the, over the Mishkan would, would lift. And those were the signs that it was time to go. That's really the proper place to describe the, the, um, the idea of the Aaron, of the Ark being lifted. So why indeed is it moved? Rebbe Eimer, loimen Hashem huzah, el mefneish, asefer, kashav hubachne asme. Rebbe says the reason why the Hebrew Messiah Aaron is, is surrounded by these two nuns is not to teach us that it's in the wrong place and to hint to that to us, but rather the reason is he could teach us that these 85 letters is already significant enough to be considered its own Torah. Shiva. So this is a Pasuk in, where is this Pasuk? In Mishle. And it says that the pillars of wisdom are seven. Elu Shiva Sefreitera is referring to the seven books of the Torah. What are the seven books of the Torah? As far as we know, there's five books of the Torah, right? So it turns out there's really Machlekes Tanayim. Are there five books of the Torah or seven books of the Torah? <laughs> Nobody is arguing if there's another two books that we're not aware of, right? That's not, you know, another two books that say uh, lots of things are really permitted. Nope, that's not what's going on over here. What they're arguing is how to classify, how to classify the counting of the books of the Torah. Do we count them as five or do we count them as seven? What would be the seven? So, Kiman, Rebbe, Mantan is a Palagalaha. Who is the one who argues on Rebbe? The Rebbe. Roshim Gamliel, who is Roshim Gamliel? The Tanya, Roshim Gamliel, and we learned in the Bible. Roshim Gamliel says, Asida Parshazu, Sheti Akar Mikan, Vitekasta Bimakaima. The Parshav Hiban Sayarin, Asida, right after Mashiach comes, will be lifted up from its place and will be put back into its, where it should have been initially. The Lama Kasvakan, why indeed is it written out of place? To separate between the the peronis, uh, the evil things that happen now and the evil things that are about to happen. So these evil things are referring to the which which evil things are referring to? 
um, so Rashi explains why, why don't we need a separate, why will we no longer need a separation between these bad events after Mashiach comes? Because once the Yitzhahara is eliminated, we'll no longer need this separation. Okay? So what are these? What are these Peronias? Peronias Shnia Maihi, the second Peronias, the second time of, of bad tidings that when the Jews were getting punished for doing something wrong, what is it referring to? And the people were complaining, right? You know, this is last week's parsha. We shall you know what's the first one? The Yisum Hashem, that they left, they traveled away from the mountain of Hashem. And the Gemara elsewhere, actually, I think it was Gemara and Shabbos already, right? It said that the way that they traveled from the mountain of Hashem, they left with alacrity. Rabbi Feldman always likes to talk about this idea. They left with alacrity. Instead of saying this is an opportunity to connect with Hashem, they ran away quickly because they were like a, uh, the, the, the Medrash explains, like a, a, um, a Eved, a servant who runs away from his master. And that's how we ran away. And that itself is considered to be, uh, it, was, it was a G'nai. It was a, uh, something negative about ourselves. So Hashem didn't want it to be negative after negative after negative. So he split it up by putting in this seemingly unconnected by Yehiba and Sararon in this place. And the reason why I put it here is to separate. Now to speak out a little bit better, I think. So the idea probably is like this. If you're sitting there reading the Torah as a modern Jew today, day and age, and you're reading the Torah and you're thinking to yourself, Wow, look at how they just constantly did I did I go mute for a minute? No, okay. No. Sorry, I might have pressed the the um the space bar. Um if you if you look at a modern Jew looking at the Torah and you see how many bad things we're doing, you kind of give up hope. Why is that? Because you say, listen, and even the Dordea, the generation of knowledge, the generation that had this incredible exposure to Hashem and to all the miracles, were still nothing was really good enough for them and they were constantly messing up. What does that do for us? It makes us give up hope. It makes us say, you know what? Who am I to think that I could possibly withstand the Yetzirah if even they were not able to withstand the Yetzirah? So it could be that that's the idea, that we want to separate a little bit so it's not this you know, unending litany of sins. So it's separated by the by the uh, by Hebrew and Sarah. That was the goal. Now, um, and therefore, that's only something that's really necessary the entire time period that, that we're really on that level. But once we're no longer on that level, once Mashiach comes in, that's no longer a concern. Okay. Um, okay, let's go further. That they turned away from after Hashem. Where is the right place to put the Vehiv and Sarahun? The right place to put it is Bidigolim. When we're talking about the when we're talking about the flags, and we're describing how the flags of this tribe would go and then the flag of that tribe would go. So that's the right place to talk about the traveling of the Aaron. They weren't asked a question not no longer related to the the um the Vehiv and Sarahun. Now we're going back to the question of what, what are you permitted to save from the fire? Let's say the margins of the Sefer Torah, right? So the blank spots before and after at the bottom of the page, at the top of the page, in between different sections of the, of the Torah, the blank spots. What about that? If you have just that blank spot, are you permitted to save it from a fire or not? Tashma, come in here, proof. Sefer Torah if a Sefer Torah that has gotten worn out and, and is no longer able to be used. If there is enough letters in it to gather together 85 letters total, as in the, the passage of Ehiban Sayyarin, that's 85 letters, and you save it. And if it does not have 85 letters remaining, then you don't save it. Now the Gemara seems to say, well, listen, it sounds like if you don't have 85 letters remaining, you don't save it. Obviously, what do you still have? You do still have a margin, and still it says you don't save it. 
Why do you say that you, you, you still should say it? Because the fact that it still has um, the gillian, the margin. Balashani, the Gemara says that if it's already a worn out Sefer Torah, then that might be different. And perhaps in that case, in that case, the, um, the gillian is no longer, the gillian is no longer chashev enough because it's already worn out. But when is the gillian considered to be important enough by itself? Only when the gillian is coming from a Sefer Torah that's not yet worn out. Hashemah, come in here a new proof. Sefer Torah Shanim, Chalakim, Sefer Torah, they got erased. It got erased already, right? If it has in it 85 letters, like the, not, like the quantity of letters in the Hebrew and Sayah, right? Then you save it. But if it does not have an you don't save it. Once again, the Gemara says over there, the letters were just erased, but the Sefer Torah was not worn out. And still we see that as long as it's 85 letters, you save it. And if it does not have it, you don't save it. Well, why didn't you save it? What about the fact that you're going to be burning the, the empty margin? Right? says, no, there was never a question that it, the place that used to actually have real writing on it and then got erased, of course that you're going to have to save. Of course that's holy. I got Tzav with the Kaddish. Of course it's holy because it had letters written there. Of course it's holy. Right? Um, one second, sorry, the other way around. The letters that actually had writing on it we understand that it was only holy the entire time that the letters were, were actually there. But as soon as the letters go away, then the holiness also goes away. When are we asking about? What we're asking about is the margins that are on top of the letters and are below the, uh, above the letters and below the letters. And also, also between different passages. In between, you know, the DAP is the, the columns, right? You know, when you do Hagba, you have to let uh, three columns total, right? When you roll it out to make a bracha, you should also try to roll it out. You should be able to see three columns as you're rolling it out to say bracha, right? So that, those columns are called dafim. Shevet chilas has sefer, shevet sefer sefer, the beginning of the Torah, the beginning of a book of the Torah, and the end of the book of the Torah. The tape of Shomahu, but why do you have to say, why do you have to say that, Hahu, the guy is the shadi, right? So why do you have to say, Anyways, you're gonna, you should have to say that you have to save this Torah because it also has these other passageways in it. My answer is the guy is Vishadeh. What happened is that these blank spaces were actually cut out of it and were thrown, thrown away. And therefore, the question now is, they were thrown at, away from the actual Sefer Torah, but they are parchments that are remnants of the Sefer Torah. Do you have to save it or not? I'm thinking right now, by the way, in terms of the Gemara's previous point, the Gemara says that if they were originally... Part, parts of it in which there were kosher letters written and then the kosher letters got erased when the letters get erased then the holiness goes away right? it's very reminiscent of Rebbe Kiva right? Rebbe Kiva dies he dies that awful death of um, of um, being flayed and, uh, and and being burnt together with the Torah right and he says that the were the letters of the Torah were getting burnt up and going up into heaven right so over there too, we see that the, the letters go away and that's considered to be the holiness of like the neshama over there as a stand-in for the letters, that the, that the letters are going away, but they're going straight to Shemaim. And Rukiba is trying to console the people left behind that the important part is going to go up to heaven. So the letters is what's important. The, the parchment was just a chatimsa. It was just the ability to take down the letters. Once the letters are no longer extant, then the parchment is no longer holy. Okay, new tashimah. The Gemara now tries the new tashimah. The margins that are on top of the letters and beneath the letters. Between the two parshas, two different uh, sections, two different passages. In between two columns. One at the beginning of the book, one at the end of the book. 
they impure, they make the hands impure, right? So what do we see? I see if they make the hands impure, clearly they're at a level, a level of holiness, right? This goes back to what we learned towards the beginning of the Masechta, that holy books will make the hands impure. Why did the rabbis do that? They did that because they didn't want you to keep the holy books together with the truma, because then the, the, um, the mice that come for the truma would also come eat the holy books. So therefore they said that the holy books are impure. Since the holy books are impure, you're not going to keep them with truma. Now, what we're saying over here is that even the, the Gilyanim, even the margins are also going to make your hands impure. So clearly what we see is that they also retain holiness. Dilma Agav Sevatera Shani. Mara says, no, that's not a good point. That's not a good proof at all. Maybe that's only talking about when they're actually together with the complete Sefer Torah. Then, indeed, they are going to still make other things tame, even if you only touch the, the blank space, it's still going to make you tame because they're part of an entire Sefer Torah. But we, remember, over here we're talking about a case where perhaps the blank space was cut out of the Sefer Torah. Does that still retain holiness? That we don't know. Tashma, a new attempt to bring a proof. So the margins or the books of the heretics will not get saved from a lake. I actually had a, someone called me uh, about a year ago with this question. He wanted to know he was in a hotel room and it had a, um, not King James Bible, but Gideon Bible, right? And he wanted to know, is it considered holy or not? And the answer, of course, is it's not considered holy at all. It's really just Gemara. Someone else actually came to me with a different question. He dropped off conservative or perhaps reformed um, to Durham at the JSN, and uh, and we threw them in the garbage, you know, without 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 um, you know any any sort of um, without needing any sort of holiness to them, right? Without needing to do Geniza, right? So this is the Gemara right here that deals with this problem. Okay, so you have the parchments, or if you have the books of the heretics, you don't steal, you don't save them from the fire. Ellen is struck them and let them burn in its place, and not just let them burn in its place. Hain saying you let them burn, and even the letters of Hashem's name. That the you also let burn in its place. My lab. What are we trying to bring from here at first? We're trying to bring from here a proof that the parchment is allowed to be burned. My lab, the end of Sefer Torah. It sounds like we're talking about the parchment, the the um the margins of a Sefer Torah, right? We're not telling you the margins of these books that are the heretics' book, because the book of the heretics, of course, the margin could be burnt. If even the book could be burnt, then certainly the margins could be burnt. It must be what we're telling you is that the margin of Sefer Torah could be burnt, and the and not only that, but even an actual book of a heretic can be burnt. It says, Indeed, we're referring to the books of the heretics that the margins can be burnt as well. Gemara asks this obvious question. If even the actual book of the heretic is allowed to be burnt, then obviously the the margins are allowed to be burnt. This is what the Gemara is trying to say. The books of the heretics are the equivalent of their gilyanim, are the equivalent of their, of their margins, and they're allowed to be burnt. Now the Gemara is going to get into this a little bit deeper. The margins and the books of the heretics. You don't have to save it from a fire. He says, if it's during the week that this is happening, that you have these, you find these books, you should actually cut out the Askaris, the names of Hashem, and then bury just those and let the rest, and the rest be actually burned. Amr Tarfin. Tarfin says a very strong language, and this is how we ask it. Amr Tarfin. Right. Tarfin says um, he says basically he's promising that he'll. Uh, it's very strong language. means to cut up his own son. If these books would come to my hands, I would burn them, and I would even burn the mentions of Hashem's name within them. If a man was going after me to kill me, or if a snake was coming after me to bite me, 
I would rather go into the house of an Abedazara rather than go into the house of a min, of someone who is a heretic, a Jewish heretic. Right? In the sand, he's saying, I would rather do this. It's unclear if he means he would rather die, right? But he'd rather, if he had to choose one or the other, when it comes to a question of Sakanus Nefashas, he'd rather choose to go into the, to the uh, house of, the, of a, uh, of a Abedazara rather than a min. A mint house, right? Not, not a mint house, but a the house that is dedicated for the worship of Minim. Bro, you have something you wanted to ask? Yeah, um, regarding the um, the uh, Sidurim of the Reform, um, did these Sidurim contain Hebrew? I want to say yes. Yeah. So if they contained Hebrew, they would presumably contain the name of Hashem. How could you possibly throw them out even if they were from from meaning basically. Exactly what this Gemara is saying. The Rabyesi goes like you. So you are in good company. Rabyesi is a Tana. He agrees with you. And he says that uh, of course you have to cut out the, the names of Hashem. But Rabtarfan is of the opinion cut, that cut out the names of Hashem and burn the rest, right? Yes, correct. But Rabtarfan is of the opinion, if I remember correctly, this is how we Paskin. Tarfan is of the opinion, no, we cannot have any remnants of these books. And the, the holiness of Hashem's name is literally not holy at all. The Gemara is going to get into exactly why you're permitted to, to burn the names. But with me, what's interesting is that uh, it comes to a question of going into a church or going into like, uh, I don't know if it's... Reform, synagogue. Right. I don't know if it's literally, literally analogous, and I don't think it's true in halacha necessarily, but this is literally what it sounds like from this Gemara. I will tell Salik Epstein, my Rosh Hashiva, when he was running away from the, from the, the um, he was trying to get an exit visa to Shanghai um, in World War II. He was in, he was in the Mir Yeshiva, which I think was in Lithuania. Um, no, the Mir Yeshiva was saved by Sugihara. It was saved by Sugihara, but, but they also needed some sort of visa to get across Russia. I don't know, but he needed some forged papers. I don't remember the exact details. And he had to go to, uh, there was a priest who was helping out, actually. For money and he was uh he was working on underneath a, a church and he had to go into a church to do it so i remember he was one time telling us the story and some chutzniak said are you allowed to go into a church and he was uh he's no longer alive but he was a lithuanian jew lithuanian jews are not uh, not warm and, and fuzzy and he just gave him you like, don't he, say just, <laughs> just like, he just like gave him a look like uh, that was it everybody's like oh, okay we got the point um well so, Come on. Right. But that's it, it, that's so stupid. Right. It happens to be over here. What we're seeing is that it's, it, if it was a question of Pituach Nefesh and you should go to the house of Avedazari, go to the house of Amin, the house of Avedazari is actually better than the house of Amin. The Gemara in Avedazari itself makes it clear that if it means getting healed by Amin or dying, it could be you should rather die than get healed by Amin. Now, you have to know if that really is what we're talking about in today's day and age when we talk about reform or conservatives. I don't think they really go into this category. because I I They're not really men, and they just believe, they say they believe in Hashem, but they believe in him in whatever way they, they believe in him. You know? I, think, I think the way I would differentiate, and we're about to see it, this idea right now, is the, the concern about hanging out with the men is the concern that you could perhaps get enticed to follow in their path. Right, right. Now, what we were talking about is in a day and age when people were actually intellectual. And they made decisions based on, you know, what they perceived to be correct. But today, I don't think that's really the concern anymore. I don't think people are conservative, reform. I don't think they're doing that because they, they, they deeply delved into the matter and they decided based on their intellectual acumen 
and true honesty, this is the only proper way of understanding and relating to the Torah. I don't think that's what's happening. And the concern that somebody's going to go in there and then leave the religion behind is not the same. That's what I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the joke is, you know, to be an happy chorus, you actually have to know something first. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the other question I had was, if there's a fire and you're worrying about which books to save, you're not going to go in there counting the letters. There's no time for that. You'd have to assume that they knew how many letters were there to begin with. Earl, I think once again, you're getting a little too caught up in the minutia, right? You're, it's true. It's a good point. <laughs> it's going to be a little difficult. Probably you're not going to open up the Saber Thor and start counting. The idea that Gemara is trying to establish, what is the necessity, what's the criterion for how many letters have to still be extant to save that Saber Torah? It, it's true. Like you said, it's a, thought, it's a thought experiment. I get it. But, but, uh, you might not know. You might not know, and then you wouldn't right. do it. Yeah. Let's get back to that. Let's get back. I'm good. Thank you. So, um... Let's see. So, so Tarpon is in the middle of saying, of course, I would destroy it and I would burn it and I would never go into the house of an of a min. Now, he explains why. What does he say? People who are over there by the Zara who worship idols, they don't know anything at all. Okay, fine. They're a Kaifer. But people who are minim, they came from a place of knowing. They came from a place of being attached to a, a rich tradition and an authentic tradition of connection to Hashem. And they left that behind. And on them, the Torah tells us, right? So this is a Pasuk in Yeshaya. And he says that um, behind the door and behind the door post, you will, you will place my memory. Right? Basically, the Pasuk is describing the people who knew about Hashem and then they threw away the remembrance. They're going to be in deep trouble. I'm going to be Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel now says, he answers your question earlier. He says like this. Kavachimer. You, you could derive a Kavachimer, a logical reasoning, why you're permitted to even burn these, these books, even though they have the names of Hashem in it. When it comes to a Saita, the passage of Saita, the letters that are, that are going to be dissolved into, that, um, into the cup of water that she's going to end up drinking, those letters contain names of Hashem in it, right? Hashem, names of Hashem in it. Amro Torah, what does the Torah say? Something that's written in holiness, will be dissolved, melted into the water. These minim, that they're creating tremendous issues between us and Hashem, right? Mind you, this is clearly talking about early Christians, in case you're curious, right? So these people are creating difficulties between us and Hashem. Alachas kama bakama. Certainly, Hashem is willing for us to burn His name to to save the peace between us and Hashem. If Hashem is even willing for His name to be burned to save the peace between a man and his wife, certainly willing to have His name be burned to save the peace between us and Hashem. And on these people, David said, Okay, fine. So the pasuk is describing the people who hate hate Hashem. What the that that um that that how much how much Melch hates those and they they're creating this uh the sinna this hatred between us and Hashem. And therefore, it's necessary to destroy them, destroy their books. The same way you cannot save them because of fire. You can't save them from a you know a tumbling building. You can't save them from water. You can't save them from anything else that is going to cause them to be destroyed. Um. I'm not sure what the chiddush is. Um, why that more of a chiddush than a fire? I'm not sure. Okay. 
Yosef Barachanan Mir Bavo, Yosef Barachanan asked her Bavo, Hani Sifri, the Bay Avidan, the books of Bay Avidan. Okay, so the books of Bay Avidan is an interesting idea. Rashi explains like this. These were books. The Bay Avidan is the is the uh, a place where basically like a philosopher's club, right? And they were books that were written in there. The reason people wrote these books for the sake of being able to argue with the Jews. So that type of that type of books, like, do you are you save them from the fire or matzilin, or do you not save them from the fire? In Velava, Rafi Biyade, somebody said yes, and then said no, he wasn't really sure what the answer was. Rav said, I would never go to Bayabidan at all. And certainly we're not going to Bay Nitzri. Bay Nitzri was not a secular uh, debate club. It was rather, it was actually something that was dedicated for Abay Dazara. So certainly over there he would never set foot into it. Shmuel, the Bay Nitzri, Shmuel would not go into the house of the Bay Nitzri, the Abay Dazara, house of Bay Abidan, but however, to the philosopher's house, he would sometimes go. Amalei the Rava, different generation now. They one time said to Rava, my time I asked the Bay Abidan, why don't you come argue with us in the Bay Abidan? No, we would love to hear your thoughts. Amalei said to them, Dikla, Lanya Ika Be Orcha. He says, there's a, there's a palm tree on the way, Bekashali. I don't want to go that direction. They said, Oh, you're, you're worried about the palm tree? Yeah, okay, we'll take out the palm tree. Kashali. If you take out the palm tree, then there's going to be a hole there. I don't want to go there. Right? He was really just pushing them off. He didn't want to argue with them. Why not? Because he was afraid, not of losing, afraid of winning. Right? As we know throughout history, when it, it's basically a, it's a, it's a no win situation. Right? If you lose, then you lost. And if you win, then they hate you anyways, and they're going to try to kill you now. Marba, mm-hmm. Said, I was one of them. It doesn't mean literally that he actually was a min, but rather he had a shprach with them, he had a relationship with them. He said, I'm not afraid of them. One time he went, one time he went there and he was winning the argument, and you know what happened? It, it was threatening his life. The, the wife of Ima um, Shalom was Rebbe wife, right? Was also She was the sister of Gamliel Have. There was a a you know a philosopher, right, who was living in their neighborhood, right. Rashi explains what does it mean. He's a philosopher. It means that he was a min. He used to be Jewish. He used to be from, and he left it behind. Was he a stand-up philosopher? Now he wasn't really a philosopher. I I think philosopher is probably really the the stand-in for min. If you want to know the truth, if I had to guess. Probably this is one of the censors, uh, you know, getting a hold of the Gemara and changing it, right? I, not all philosophers are, are minim, right? But over here, the idea is that he's a min. Why is Rashi saying that he's a min? I think Rashi is saying he's a min because we're going to see the importance that the, the, the subterfuge that they engaged in to, to show the world that he's a, a liar and he's corrupt and completely perverted judgment. I think they were doing that because they wanted to expose him because he's a min. If he wasn't a min, I don't think they would have cared too much. So I think the reason they stuck in philosophers because the Christian censors probably said, hey, what's going on with this piece of Gemara? It's exactly us who are reading the Gemara to try to disprove your point. And now we see that, uh, that you say in the Gemara that this is who we are. It didn't end so well. So they took it out. That's what I'm guessing. Anyways, so it happens like this. He has a, a reputation that he does not take any bribes. So they want to they want to expose him. They want to laugh at him, right? So what do they do? So she brings him a, uh, a, a lamp made out of gold. Um, and then the next day she goes in front of him for a fight, right? And what's a fight? So she says to him, She says, I want you to separate between me and my brother. We're going to have a fight, right? And the fight is who gets our, the father's inheritance. 
He says, split it. Amar Lei, so Rabbi Gamliel says, Sivlon, Rabbi Gamliel says, one second, Sivlon, Bumakim Vura Barta, Leitzirais, right? He says, in the place where there's a son, the Barta, the daughter, does not inherit, right? That's the halacha, says in the Torah. Amar Lei, Minyayma, Negalitzon, Miarchon, is not one, is not this Araisa, the Moshe, but is Yavet Sifrachriti, right? So what are we saying, right? He's saying, you took away the Old Testament, essentially, and the New Testament has now taken supremacy, right? Not actually taken away fully, right? Because they also believe in the Old Testament, but the Old Testament, they believe, is trumped by the New Testament. And it says in the New Testament, and they inherit together. The next day, Rangalil comes and gives him this uh, rear type of, of a donkey, a donkey from Luba, and it was a very good donkey, right? Then he says, the judge then says, okay, let me re, 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 uh, reconsider what I said yesterday. Shafilah the Sefe, the Sefer, go to the end of the book, right? The Kasabe, and it says over there, right, that I did not come to take away from the, from the, uh, from the books of Moshe. And I did not come to add on to the, um, to the, to the, to, to what Moshe Rabbeinu had to say, right? This is a, a quote from, from the New Testament that I was more familiar with the New Testament, not that I want to be familiar with the New Testament, probably is almost for sure usher to learn the New Testament, unless you're doing it specifically for the sake of arguing with um, either with the, the non-Jewish people or with someone who's a min, right? A Jew who's gone up the derach. It's the only way you'll be permitted to learn the New Testament. Otherwise, it's forbidden. As the Gemara tells us, it's forbidden to learn it. However, this is clearly talking about in the New Testament that, that this is what... Uh, Matthew or one of them or Luke or whatever one it was said that this is what what Jesus said that he didn't come to add on to the Torah itself. Uh, as an aside, I remember hearing a story with the Yaakov Kamenetsky that when he got older, he was moving from his house in Muncie to like a smaller apartment, and he had a grandkid who was helping him uh, pack up his house, and he opened up the closet and he sees that there was a, a you know a King James Bible. <laughs> so he says to his grandfather, "What's going on over here? Why do you have a King James Bible?" So he said, I, I need to know what, what the, what's going on so I could talk to, uh, you know, I hang out with the, the, there was a local, he had like a relationship with a local priests and, and nuns in Muncie at that time. He said, I, I need to be familiar with it so I could understand where they're coming from so I could, you know, you know clearly show them where, where we're coming from and how what they're coming from is so, you know, clearly a copy and a corrupt copy at that. And it says also in the, in the New Testament, right? And it says that a daughter does not inherit when there's a son. So, so what does what the sister say, right? She says to him, She says, oh, your, your, uh, your light should, uh, should uh, you know, burst forth like a shraga, like a lamp. What was she trying to do? She was trying to say, hey, one second, I gave you a lamp. You're supposed to judge on my side. Gamil immediately responds, A donkey came and kicked the lamp over. What are they trying to do? They were trying to tell everybody, listen, what are the lamps, the donkeys? What are you guys talking about? What is the crowd going to say? The, the judge is sitting there looking at, oh, shoot, he's feeling stupid. He's blushing. So clearly what was happening here is they were exposing the fact that they had already bribed him previously. And this was the way to, to show that this man is not actually, you know, he, he claims to be, you know, above the, the Pharisees. And he claims that everything he's doing is, is correct and just. But indeed, it's not true at all. If not, if they might ain't the the Mishnah says you're not supposed to read from the Ksuvim. You're not supposed to read from the Ksuvim on Shabbos. Why? Because it's going to cause people not to learn Torah. Amar Rav, Rav says, Shanu, this is not true. Elo is man based on It's only true at the time when you're supposed to be learning Torah. Now, the way it worked in those days is they used to go to the, 
to the base Medrash to learn Torah before they ate the meal. After they ate the meal, they can no longer no longer learn Torah the same way they could before the meal. Why? Because after you eat the meal, you drink wine. And remember, on Shabbos afternoon, they weren't giving a drasha like a fun, you know, um, a maggot type of drasha storytelling. That wasn't what they were doing. They were saying halacha. You cannot pass in halacha when you drink wine. You cannot say over halacha when you drink wine. So they, they were only able to, to go to this meal. They're only able to, to go to the shir before the actual meal, but not after the meal. But not in the time of going to learn Torah. Karen, you're permitted to read from the Suvim. Shmuel argues in Robin says that even if it's not the time for learning Torah, you're in the base measures, you're still not allowed to read from the Ksuvim. Any is this so? Now, Hadai is where the, the city where Shmuel lived. This is the custom in Hadai, was they actually would read from the Ksuvim on Shabbos afternoon. Okay? Right? So instead of reading from the, they would read from the Torah, then after they finished the Torah, they read, you know, the, the up till, uh, till uh, Shani of the upcoming, upcoming week's Parsha. And then after that, they would actually read a passage from the Iksuvim. So we see that Shmuel did hold you could read from the Iksuvim on Shabbos. So for this statement was made, this is how the statement was said. Rav says, You're only not allowed to read Iksuvim in the place of the Iksuvim. Not in the place of the Iksuvim, you're allowed to read from the Iksuvim. Shmuel says, whether you're in the base Medrash, whether you're not in the base Medrash, if it's at the time of when you should be learning Torah in the base Medrash, you don't read from it. If it's not at the time that you do read from it. So according to Shmuel, then great. Then that was the Shmuel. Shmuel's going according to his reasoning. But now Ardai, Paski Sidra, the Ksuvim, and Minchas, the Shabbata. And Ardai, they would actually read from the Ksuvim at Mincha time, because that was not the time of learning Torah in public. Ravashi, Amar Ravashi says, Ravashi says, no, read it the way you read it originally. Shmuel is going according to they're going to, according to the opinion of Rabbi Nehemiah. But he himself disagrees, right? Because he himself held that you could read on Ksuvim and Shabbos when it's not the time period of, of learning Torah and the Mishmajosh. But Rabbi Nehemiah held you couldn't. Tanya, we learned in Even though we said that the Kisvei Kedesh, you cannot read from them. But you are allowed to Shainen Bedarsh Behen. You're not allowed to read from the, from the Ksuvim. You're not allowed to read from the Machabas. However, you are allowed to say over, you know, Drash about the Ksuvim. You are allowed to come up with your own medrash, right? In other words, the not the, the oral Torah you are allowed to do. You're just not allowed to do the written Torah on Shabbos from the, the written Ksuvim on Shabbos. Nisrich Lifsek, maybe Viroya Bay, but if you if you if you're in the middle of Darshanin and you forget a Pasik, you want to look at the Pasik inside, then you're allowed to bring a Ksuvim and read from it, you know, as a little bit of reading. says, why do we say that you're not allowed to read from the Ksuvim on Shabbos? It's a very interesting halacha. You know why they said that you can't read from the from the Ksuvim Shabbos? So people will say, you know what? You're not even allowed to read from Ksuvim Shabbos. You're certainly not allowed to read what we call Shtari Hedietes, right? Shtari Hedietes is a very big topic, right? Shtari Hedietes literally means like a document of regular people, a document of laymen, right? Which would be like um, the documents that are, you know, uh, business transactions or... Uh, or catalogs or anything of that nature. You know, that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos according to everybody. There's a question of how far do we go with the Shtari Hedietes? Do we even go to newspapers and non-Jewish newspapers? And certainly some people are careful not to read anything secular on Shabbos at all. I think most people here are not so careful, but it is, it is a standard that, at least for some people, is something to aspire to. Even the, even the Mishpocha magazine? Um, I, that, that would be a debate as is Mishpacha magazine considered secular or not. But <laughs> <laughs> 
I, yeah, I think most people would be lenient on Mishpacha magazine. Just don't look at all of those ads for the good meat. That's for sure. Yeah. Sealand, take a safer and a safer. When you're when there's a fire and you're saving the the actual the actual safer Torah, well, you're also allowed to save the tick. Right, the tick is the bag that it comes in. The tick at tefillin and tefillin, and the bag of the tefillin together with the tefillin. And even if there's money inside of that container, right? In other words, the concern will be over here. You're saving the container and maybe it has money in it. Maybe it's a muksa issue. Maybe you're saving the container because of money. You're not allowed to save money from a fire. You're only allowed to save a safer from a fire. But if you're saving the container of the, of the safer, you're allowed to do that on Shabbos, even if it has money in it. Where do you save it to? To a mavoy that is not fully open on both sides, right? A mavoy is, remember, the, the, the alleyway that the courtyards are opening up into the mavoy. So a mavoy that is mafolish means that on both of its sides, it doesn't have any doorway. A mavoy that is ain't mafolish means that at least on one side, it has a doorway. And Maseirah says, you're even allowed to save it to a mavoy that is open fully on both sides. You're allowed to save it. The Tanakama holds you're only allowed to save it to a mavoy that's not open on both sides. Again, the Gemara is going to get into exactly what that Malikas is. Tanakama, we learned in our Baisa. Ira also shechali is for Shabbos. The 14th day of Nisan fell out on Shabbos. You are permitted to mafshit, to, to skin the, the hide of the carbon Pesach up until the chaze, up until its chest. Why is that necessary? Because up until its chest, then you can remove the, the, um, the evarim and the, 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 uh, the organs and the chalev and the chalavim, the, the fats that are going to be burnt on the mezbeach. You're already, you're already able to do that once you skin that much of the skin. Is he even permitted to skin the entire animal? According to the opinion of the son of he says, Why are you permitted to do this? Because the, the idea is that um, you're, you're doing up until what's necessary for the, for the sake of heaven. My time, according to Rabbanon, say that you're allowed to skin the whole animal. Why are you permitted to skin the whole animal? You don't need that for Hashem. What Amara suggests, the reason is, Amara says, Hashem does everything for his own sake. So, what does this mean over here that it's for Hashem's sake? Rabbi says that the animal does not, go, does not start smelling. If you keep the dead carcass inside its skin, it's going to get hot and it's going to go, get bad a lot, a lot earlier and it's going to get gross. Rabbi says, we don't want the um, the kachishmayim, the thing that is holy to Hashem, to be you know sitting there skinned a little bit, not skinned a little bit like a regular dead animal. We wanted to show clearly the delineation between this and a regular dead animal. I mean, I what's the difference between these two amarayim's reason why you should only skin it full, why you should skin it fully and not leave it half skinned? What's the difference? the manach absura the dahava. The difference is if it's lying on a on a table made out of gold, right? If it's lying on a table made out of gold. It's definitely still likely to, to spoil faster because it has the skin still on it. However, because it's on a table made out of gold, it's clearly a holy or uh, more significant object, more distinguished object. Inam, another difference would be a day in which the north wind is blowing. A day in which the north wind is blowing, it's going to keep it cool enough that even though it's lying in its skin, it's still not going to get gross. However, it's still not considered respectful for it to lie in its skin. Hi, Paul, Hashem, what does the Bishmal do with this, this uh, son of Rechem Abreka? What does it do with this Pasuk that says that Hashem does everything for his own sake? Why does he not allow you to then skin the entire animal? They teach you that you should not take out the Emurin, you should not take out the, the, um, the parts that are going to be brought on the, on the Mizbeach before you actually take off the skin. 
My time, what's the reason? Amravuna Bereder of Nasan. Ravuna says name name of Nasan. Misham Niman. Because if you if you do not take the skin off before you take out the the like the the glands and try to like squeeze it out, what's gonna happen is the there are hairs that will end up getting attached to it. And the hairs will be sitting attached to these to the moon that you're gonna be putting on the back, and it's not considered respectful. What are the the people who argue with the Bishmal, son of Rebbe Mareka, what do they answer to him? This is what they would say to him. If you would if you would save the um, the 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 container or the the bag that the, the sefer Torah is in together with this sefer, right? Since you're permitted to even do that, then why are you not permitted to um to to take off the the skin of the offering the same way that you're permitted to save the container? So too. You should also be permitted to to say to to take up the skin of the Pesach offering. Me, Yeah, Rabbi, go ahead. Is is this the carbon Pesach that people eat, or this is the one that's burned up? No, no, this is the current Pesach that people eat. Well, then, how can you eat it if it's not the completely skin? So you would. So, so let me explain. That's a good point here. So what we're talking about is when the 14th day. The 14th day is when you go through the process of preparing the current Pesach. When you eat the current Pesach on the 15th day, on the first night of Pesach. So we're talking about is when the 14th day of Pesach happened to fall out on Shabbos. Right? Oh, I see. But on a Shabbos, it's not appropriate to do any more malacha than is necessary. Of course, once it's Shabbos, when it's actually Pesach, you're going to continue skinning it and then start burning it. Okay, fine. Yeah, good question. So the Gemara says, me dummy, can the, are these comfortable? When it comes to carrying something out on Shabbos, and you're allowed to carry out even the container in which the Sefer Torah came in, even though that container has money in it, you're still permitted to carry that out. Why? Well, the concern over there is the concern of carrying on Shabbos in a way that's not real malacha. It's a mukta issue, right? Over here, when you're talking about skinning an animal any more than is necessary, that is the, the basic necessity of for what's necessary right now is going to be considered to real malacha. Skinning is a real malacha. 